from legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode or go to ipswichtoday.com.au. Coming up, there's a lot going on at the moment. Daily COVID numbers during a lockdown can certainly be a dippy downer. Recently, I was lucky enough to hear a talk from Ipswich-based healthy habit coach and author Loz Antonenko. Her story is one that will make you take stock of your own daily routine and hopefully bring about some positive changes to your daily habits. It's Thursday, August 5, 2021, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. From her base in Ipswich, Loz Antonenko makes it her mission to help leaders and busy professionals upgrade their mind, body and energy. Thanks for speaking with Ipswich today, Loz. Thank you so much, Alan. It's an absolute pleasure to be here and speak with you today on this fine COVID lockdown morning. Uh, We'll talk more about that shortly. (laughs) Um, But your motivation is directly related to your own life experience and by your own admission, at one time you were sick and underweight and you had the unbelievable tragedy of losing your first husband to suicide. Can you give us a snapshot of your life back then? Yeah, it's an interesting time upon reflection because only in hindsight can you really understand how far you've come. And when I look at the person that I used to be, Alan, I was very much a person that was very concerned about what other people thought of me. I was always preoccupied with other people's opinions. And and through my own experiences now, I realize that other people's opinions are absolutely none of my business. But the person that I used to be um, was not only very self-conscious, but a high achiever at heart, always striving, pushing for something more. I just think that back then I didn't quite know what that was. I was trying to self-manage all of my inadequacies by, you know, throwing myself into things 110%, which I still do now. But I think back then I really didn't have any identification of what my highest values were, what my fears were, which were the things that actually fueled me to run away from lots of things rather than towards things, which is what I do now. And to cope, I would use external things like food. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, that, that old chestnut. <laughs> uh, lots of food, alcohol, and other types of addictive substances, which can, in a transient nature, basically take you away from dealing with your problems. And that, that was really where I kind of was getting the most unstuck. Tell me about this transformation and how you broke through to make these changes to your own life? So I think the first thing that I did really, which was one of the most poignant parts of my my journey was to actually do some deep work and, and try and work out why am I here? And I know that sounds like a big question. And from the outside, that is, you know, the million dollar question really. Um, but the reality was it was more a case of going in really deep and identifying what the things were that drove me to push and strive and what was driving me away from my problems. And this is what I call values identification. Mm-hmm. So really realizing that leadership through inspired action was certainly one of my driving values, making sure that the daily choices that I was making were in alignment with creating a lifelong 
you know, success strategy to live a long time and serve as a mission to other people and to realize that my self-development was actually through conscious connection, which means that I don't just go diving deep for the purpose of that, you know, to say, hey, I do Tony Robbins, et cetera, et cetera, but more a case of I want to connect with other people and learn from other people because success leaves clues, yeah? Well, success breeds success, doesn't it? It does. And you become the average of the five people that you hang around the most. And when I started realizing those things, the first step that I actually took, and this may seem seem very foreign to a lot of people, but in order to help manage the subjectivity of of being so emotionally torn, because, you know, I I had such a, 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 an eventful time going in my life. A lot of really catastrophic emotional things happen in a very short period of time the one thing that I thought that I could do was how can I measure progress without having to overthink it? And I actually went to the gym and prior to that, I'd I'd been dabbling in the gym. I bought active wear and I would just sort of go thinking that that would be, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah, As, as you do. And I would go on the treadmill, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, I figured that if I could start with one kilo dumbbells and, and progress from one to two and then two to three and three upwards, then in some linear fashion, I was progressing without having to think about it. And over a period of time, that single habit of just going to the gym, showing up every day, dealing with the emotional stuff when I needed to, and it was, it was a lot to deal with for a long period of time, about two and a half years. Wow. But every day, I, every day I showed up and I went to the gym. And, and before I knew it, and six months deep into that journey, I looked at myself in the mirror and I realized that I had physically transformed because the internal alignment that I had was starting to manifest itself externally. And my next step, well, as part of that step was to go, okay, well, what is this then? Now, what what could I do with this newfound confidence? And that led me to this whole other stream of things that I could never have thought would have been possible being the person I was when my husband passed away and, you know, when I got sick. So it's interesting. It becomes a catalyst for change for all these things. And you, you play in this field of the wildest dreams that you just couldn't possibly imagine when you start to create really powerful habits. Your approach takes in more than one habit change. And obviously this is the, the beginning of your thought process. It's diet, exercise, mindfulness, and what you call the healthy habit pathway. Can you just expand on the healthy habit pathway? Ah, so the healthy habit hierarchy. So yeah, so I've, I've coined this this blueprint um, and it is a pathway. Um, I have quite a few different pathways now, depending on on the journey that people want to take. But what, what happened was I, I, I went from stuck and to what I call unstoppable. And that was a process of, you know, working out my why, which is my values, then optimizing what I was eating and realizing that a lot of the food that I was eating wasn't really serving me for a long life, mm. um, that it was comfort eating. And then looking at the people that I was hanging around with and doing a bit of a social audit on consumption. And I call that menu. And then looking at mindset and really starting to focus on setting really tangible, clear, achievable and measurable goals and realizing that it's okay to switch your brain off. Sometimes you don't have to go, 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 go. And in fact, it's really, really important for people like that who are very goal orientated to actually learn how to switch off their brain and, and quieten it. And so I discover meditation and that becomes the mindful part of that hierarchy yes. or, or the mindset. And then once those three things are in place, once you know why you want to change, once you're optimizing what you're fueling yourself with both socially and nutritionally, and you're thinking straight and you're sitting really 
measurable and achievable goals, you can then actually exercise and and create what I call mindful movement improvement, which means that your body is running far more optimally and your mind is just in tune with everything that matters. Your body will then respond accordingly. And I found that although I started with exercise as a way of measuring progress and dealing with grief, I really started to optimize my my exercise and my movement after I got all those other M's in place. So the, the, the M there is movement. And then the last M, so the healthy habit hierarchy, by the way, which I probably should have mentioned is based on five M's. Right. And the last M is, is mastery. <laughs> so mastery is about how can I continue to do all the things that matter to live love and matter and live a life full of happiness, health and vitality and pivot and evolve as required when other things come my way. So the healthy habit hierarchy in its entirety is momentum, menu, mindset, movement and mastery. And you have to do them in that order. And that's why it's called a hierarchy. If you do them in the wrong order, you kind of fall off the bandwagon. I mean, how many people do you know that try and do a 12-week challenge at a gym or go join a CrossFit box without the fundamentals of momentum, menu, and mindset, and it always leads to injury or, or some lack of motivation. And I never use the word motivation because motivation is empty and it lasts about three and a half weeks, which is why when people join the gym in January, what do you think they're doing in February? Ah, perfect segue to my next question. It's a bit like a New Year's resolution. Uh, you know, bad habits are hard to toss. Good habits seem even harder to adopt. We start off with those good intentions, as you said, in January. What techniques have you come up with and I think you've probably half answered that question with the hierarchy to increase the rate of success. When it comes to success, Alan, I think the real question is asking yourself better questions to even define what success even is for you. And success can manifest itself in many ways, but once you can identify what your highest values are and you can align your daily actions, and I'm talking daily actions, minute actions, which on their own may seem like they don't really go anywhere, but mm. when you stack them together, all of a sudden in the context of that, it's like, wow, all those things are so powerful when they work in congruency with each other, but really working out what your daily actions are and making sure that you prioritize those actions. So they align with your values. Once you do that, you will realize that success is abundant. It's everywhere. And I think what a lot of people forget is in this era of instant gratification, where we're constantly seeking you know, validation from external things that we forget to celebrate our small successes. I, I have, I have some people that in recent times have, have come to me saying, you know, my doctor says I need to lose weight, blah, 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 blah. Um, the first question is why do you want to lose weight? Why don't you just want to gain lifestyle? Because if we want to lose something, we'll always go and find it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but if we look at it as a lifestyle and we go, what do we want to gain? We want to gain more clarity, more energy, more focus, a better health span to match our lifespan, you know, then success just falls into just doing that one thing every day. And if, if your doctor says you need to lose weight, you need to exercise half an hour every single day. And that is not an achievable outcome for you because you literally cannot find half an hour. 10 minutes every single day is far better than 30 minutes once a week, yeah? Oh, definitely. What about, the, what, what about the different age groups, Loz? Do you modify, say, the fitness program to suit someone in their 20s versus 40s versus 60s, for example? Yeah, yeah and it's not, it's not just age that I guess is the big challenge here when it comes to fitness. It's ability and goal. I mean, if you're a young, strapping lad in your 20s, 
and your goal is to get ripped, which is code word for really, really buff, yes. by the way, yes. for all the, all the non-millennials. Um, <laughs> if you're a young guy in their 20s wanting to get ripped and, you know, your goal is to step on stage and do a bodybuilding show, there will be specific exercise protocols to give you that outcome, which you wouldn't do if the outcome was different. Yeah. Likewise, if you were a young strapping 20-something-year-old lad who – wanted to increase the mobility because you were suffering severe back pain, your exercise and your mindful movement regime is going to look completely different. And that applies across any demographic, whether you're older or younger, it doesn't matter. It's all about mindful movement improvement. And I think what a lot of people forget to realize, Alan, is that exercise and and fitness isn't just about lifting heavy things and running really fast, which is what a lot of people think it has to be and having a six pack and, you know, shoulders for days. Exercise is multidimensional and and fitness is it's agility, it's strength, it's flexibility, mobility, endurance, cardiovascular fitness. It's, I mean, there are so many components to being happy and healthy and having that in your body that focusing on one thing really misses the point. And as you've gone about your own healthy habit change, you've become certified in some areas, you've tackled other disciplines and personal goals, including pre-COVID, climbing one of the tallest mountains. Yeah, that was quite a laugh. Um, so here, here, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little funny story. So I thought, well, okay, well, why don't I go climb Mount Kilimanjaro? And, and I did, I did work with 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 the the man that would end up becoming my my current husband. Um, and I didn't actually have any intention of doing it. He just said, "Cool, I've booked some tickets to Africa." And I go, "Oh." Okay. Um, <laughs> We're off to Africa. Well, it was he was off to Africa. Was I thought, off well, well are we, am I going to come? So um, this is a guy that had no training, no experience being fit whatsoever. So we went and test drove a couple of mountains in, in southeast Queensland for a bit. Good idea. <laughs> yeah, which I thought would be, would be a great approach. Um, but nothing here can compare by any means to what we were to experience. And it was a seven-day trek. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So with your summit of Mount Kilimanjaro, you leave at midnight. So it's it's three, it's three four days up and three days back. So it takes you four days to acclimatize. Now, the thing that I didn't know at the time, and thank God I didn't know this, otherwise I wouldn't have done it, is I actually had a giant hole in my heart and I had no idea. Oh, no. I only found out about two and a half years ago. And um, so I, I was on my way up and I was so sick, Alan. I, they, they thought I wasn't going to make it. I um, ended up having to get a second Sherpa to go up with me on the summit. So um, when it's time to summit, you leave at midnight, you can't eat, you have to fast. And it took, so on average, it takes people about five and a half hours to summit. And so Mick, um, who is now my husband, um, he went up and he was fine. So he got up there before sunrise and um yeah, he, he made it ahead of me and um, it took me seven and a half hours. But I tell you what, I got the best photos because I got there up there at sunrise and my photos are amazing. And I actually caught him on his way back down. But that was one of the hardest physical you know, feats I have ever, ever endured. And that taught me so much about my ability to be resilient and just to continue and push through. And um, he was surprised that I made it, but um, now knowing that I had a hole in my heart that whole time, which I've had repaired, I've had some surgery, I've had heart surgery. Gosh, what a scary thought. I could have had a stroke. 
unbelievable, Loz. Unbelievable. You, you've mastered digital media on this journey, including your own podcast, The Healthy Habit Hot Seat. It began in June last year. Who and what topics have you covered in the last year? So many topics, um, very far and in between anything from people and their spiritual journeys to, you know, basic things, which I've realized, which is that most people who are successful have very similar habits when it comes to morning routine. So on the healthy habit hot seat, I interview extraordinary humans from around the world and ask some questions about the daily intricacies of their habits. Because as I said earlier, success leaves clues. And if somebody is living a successful life, whatever that is for them, if they're a gold medal athlete or a thought leader or, you know, somebody that's just quite innovative in their field and and leading the way, um, what I identify is that most of those people wake up and have moments of gratitude. They wake up and they're thankful for something, whether that's meditation, prayer, silence, affirmations, that's one thing. And also they all brush their teeth. How can you expect to become successful if you can't brush your friggin' teeth, guys? And I know that sounds basic, but brushing teeth and making beds. I love it. Honestly, very honest conversations that I've had with, yep. with billionaires and, and anybody less than that. And it's, um, yeah, it's quite extraordinary when you break it down to something so basic and you realise in the context of things, it just comes down to daily habits. That's and, all it is. And it kickstarts your day in a healthy way. Just, yeah, basically brushing your teeth. Wow. And you're a poet and you didn't even know it. Look at you. <laughs> who, who was a standout guest uh, since you've started the podcast? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and it's interesting because I've interviewed so many people and each in their own value system have added immense value to me. Um, my favorite and my first, actually, the whole reason I have a podcast is because of a man called Dr. John D. Martini. Now, Dr. D. Martini was a contributor to a book called The Secret. He's the world's leading behavioral, human behavioral specialist. He started over like three 300 ologies or something. He's in, he's intense, wow. but he's amazing. And um, the reason I have a podcast is actually, I was following him. Well, let's, let's rephrase. I was stalking him on social media, <laughs> becoming a royal pain in the ass and commenting and everything. And I remember I was at my friend's house having some wine one afternoon, just enjoying relaxing and talking absolute rubbish. And I told her, I said, you should go and check out Dr. John D. Martini. We'd just come back from Tony Robbins, her and I. Mm-hmm. And I went onto social media to check you know, to show her. And there was a message in my inbox on Instagram from him saying, Hey, I love what you do. There seems to be a lot of synergy. How can I help you? Let me know. And I literally just said, I want to interview you. And I'm thinking I've never interviewed anybody in my entire life. I've never been on this side of a microphone, but what I did is I made friends with some journalists learnt the art of great interviewing, bought a great professional kit and um, rocked up at the Hilton when he was in town next and interviewed him and he was my first podcast guest and um, that was all history then. So he would be definitely the standout for me. He's somebody that I admire. He's an amazing teacher. But then the next guest was Pete Evans and um, that was quite interesting because it was it was such polarisation between the two guests. Oh, yeah. Pete, Pete at the time was going through a lot of um, a lot of public stuff and he just had an interview on 60 Minutes 
um, the notorious interview where, yeah, lots of things were exposed. And um, I just thought it was very interesting because he was also equally a very challenging guest to navigate around. It taught me a lot about interviewing. So I guess both of those guys were quite fascinating for opposite reasons, um, but it's really hard to have a favourite, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> it's, it's like having children, can't pick a favourite. Um, Apparently. Yeah. Loz, we're recording this during a southeast Queensland lockdown. I'm hearing lots of conversations from people saying, is it really necessary? Well, we've just got to accept that it is and not everyone's happy about it. Do you have any mechanisms to cope with the lockdown syndrome, as I call it? Yeah, look, I look at lockdown as an opportunity to grow and learn and maybe evolve your skill set to, and I hate the word pivot. Oh, my God, it's the most overused word of the last 24 months, right? Or the new normal. Then it is the new normal, the new normal or um, what are they, unprecedented. Yes. Bloody hell. We've avoided but those words up till now. We have, and I, I, I had to let that one slip in. <laughs> That's all but, right. But um, look, what my, my theory on lockdown is, you know what, so be it. Life happens, and if you have the opinion that life happens for you, not to you, you will use lockdown to learn something about yourself. So from a personal level, Lockdown has been quite an interesting journey for me. Um, I run a bricks and mortar mobility equipment business, which is classified an essential service. So I have 27 people working for me across multiple businesses and um, that business has had to pivot and evolve and adapt. But in terms of running a gym, like, like well, not a gym, but fitness classes, we've had to go from face-to-face to online and for a lot of people, that's been a huge problem for them. They feel like they're lacking motivation, but Imagine if we'd gone into lockdown 10, 12 years ago before we had mechanisms like Zoom. Oh, I can't imagine how, how much worse it would have been. Absolutely. Mm. So, you know, use it as a, a place. And you know what? I have learned so much about how to utilise technology and maximise it to connect with other people. And it will never replace face-to-face human contact. Totally. I get that. But there are so many amazing advantages of being at home and maybe it's just a breath of fresh air that you could use to find some solitude, find some space to do some deep work, do those things that you've been putting off for bloody three years, you know, go and read, sit, be still, or go and do what I do and go and work 13 hours a day and really go and make hay while the sun shines because there is never a better time than this to have a lockdown, I tell you. Loz Antonenko, it's been an absolute pleasure to have a chat with you uh, on the podcast. And you've got you've got your own podcast. I'll put that in my show notes and also your website details. Thank you so much and all the best. Appreciate it. Thanks, Alan. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is also listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au and click the Donate button on the homepage to make a payment through PayPal. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio and Amazon Music Podcasts, or play Ipswich Today from Smart Speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening.
Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.